This morning there will be three of us that will be speaking, myself, John Micah, and Les. We talked this past weeks about the importance of understanding how we have processed the time that we have been through over the past, really now, couple of years. Experiencing what we've been through, understanding the difficulty, understanding the challenges that it has brought to us. I know even today, there are those of you that are here for the very first time, and we want to welcome you back. We have gone through a difficult time. I can remember standing here and there being very few people here because we were in the midst of a pandemic, a health crisis in our world that has taken us to places that most of us have never experienced in our lifetime. You look at this and you see that there is a parallel between what we have experienced and what we see with the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt. With great hope, they moved forward and they moved towards Sinai and they thought about what it would be like to experience God's promised land. Only to find that after experiencing a period of time, they were denied entrance because of their lack of faith. And they experienced 40 years in a wilderness, 40 years that was filled with loss, 40 years filled with death, 40 years of mourning. No one over 20 years old that was alive except for Joshua and Caleb experienced Canaan. If you were under 20 years old, you lost all of your family during that time. You know, for many of us, we have experienced a tremendous amount of loss over this past year. There, there are global experiences, seeing it on the TV, all the way to the personal experiences that each of us have had with either friends or family that we have lost in the past year and a half. While we do not enjoy these times or like these times, God does prepare us somewhat for them. Whereas in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, we find some very familiar verses. And I want to read from these this morning because I think they speak to us in how we experience the timing of God. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. We haven't done much dancing lately, have we? But we've sure done a great deal of mourning. I think about from these verses in the morning and how different it's been. Uh, I've experienced times where I've watched funerals on Zoom. I've been to funerals where there were just a few people there. And then with some experiences, there just wasn't any service at all. And those services have an important place in our lives. They do important work for us in transitioning us through loss. Verse 5 goes on to say, A time to scatter one's stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. A time to search and a time to give up. 
a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. In my years, I have found that these are the moments of my life. I can look back over my life so far and I can find many, many of these experiences. But when it came to mourning, my greatest experience in mourning before this pandemic had been the loss of my grandmother. But so many people I have known have passed away in the past year and a half. So many people have been sick and are still affected by the long-term effects of COVID. I have a sister that still is struggling with those long-term effects. Two sisters that had it, her whole family. You know, the fear that we experience with this has been different. Some of us have not experienced it the same way. There are those that seem to have had no fear whatsoever. And then there are those that fear has been gripping. We've had different responses and different reactions No one is exactly right or wrong, but they certainly are different. All of our loss that we've experienced has kept us from each other. I'm so tired of Zoom, aren't you? My experience with other people is just not the same when I'm in a rectangle as I'm so often referred to. That's better than a number, I think, but it sounds an awful lot like the same thing. We've been kept away from people. I didn't go see my parents for a long time, and I hoped that they would be okay. Maybe you've experienced the same thing with your family members. Celebrations have been denied. Visits have been denied. So much of what we've experienced has been different for us in ways that we have not liked and not appreciated. I'd like for you to think with me for just a minute as my part of this comes to a close here. I'd like for you to think for just a moment about what we've experienced as a people. As citizens of a global world, The numbers that I saw as I looked up some data suggest that worldwide from this pandemic we have lost 3.45 million people, roughly 3.5 million people. Some estimates say that number is much higher. In the United States, the numbers that we have suggest that we have lost 589,000 people. friends and family, neighbors. In the state of Tennessee, current numbers suggest that we have lost 12,380 people. Sumner County, the most recent numbers that I could get suggest we have lost 350 people. Each of those numbers represents a life. One of them in particular is quite special to me because one of those numbers was a friend of mine, a close friend, 
friend to all of us, a co-worker. We have experienced as a church a year of mourning. It is important that we think about what we've lost and remember. I'd like to end my time with you this morning with 30 seconds. And in that 30 seconds, I would like to ask you to pray individually for what would be helpful to you as we emerge from this incredible sense of pandemic and loss that we've experienced. Let's pray. Father, bring us forth in peace. Through your Son I pray, amen. As we discussed this morning's uh, lineup, one song came to my mind, and it's new to us here, uh, but it just really uh, encapsulates what uh, Brian just said. You'll sing through this song, from the depths of my soul I cry out, in the midst of the sea I cry out. Uh, There's a time to mourn, there's a time to weep. There's a time for sorrow when deep uh, calls to deep. It's in a minor key, which we do a lot when we're doing lament songs, so it's kind of that, I am a poor wayfaring stranger, kind of that dark kind of uh, feel to it. So you'll hear that as we sing it as well. But I want you to pay attention to the last line as we get to it, because we sing about deep calls to deep and being overcome with sorrow, and then the very last line is where the whole song comes together. Still I will praise you. Lord. So through all of this, still I will praise you. Uh, the guys will sing first and a lot of the song and the women will, will echo. And so let's, uh, let's sing to this this morning. From the depths of my soul I cry out. From the depths of my soul I cry out. Lord, can you hear me? Have mercy, O God. From the depths of my soul I cry In the midst of the sea I cry In the midst of the sea I cry Save me the water It is over my head In the midst of the sea I cry
have led you 40 years in the wilderness. The clothes on your back have not worn out, and the sandals on your feet have not worn out. So in other words, I know life has been challenging. I know that you have had different expectations for this journey. I know you are exhausted. I know that you are anxious for what lies ahead. But pause. Look back and consider the reality that I have been with you every step of the way. And consider this, I will be with you every step of the way moving forward. Listen as Israel is reminded of God's care during their wilderness experience. I'm going to read from Deuteronomy chapter 29, 1 through 13 out of the message. These are the terms of the covenant that God commanded Moses to make with the people of Israel in the land of Moab. Renewing the covenant he made with them at Horeb. Moses called all Israel together and said, You've seen with your own eyes everything that God did in Egypt to Pharaoh and his servants. And to the land itself, the the massive trials to which you were eyewitnesses. The great signs and the miracle wonders. But God didn't give you an understanding heart or perceptive eyes or attentive ears until now. On this very day. I took you through the wilderness for 40 years. And through all that time the clothes on your back didn't wear out. And the sandals on your feet didn't wear out. And you lived well without bread and wine. Proving to you that I am in fact your God. When you arrived here in this place... Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, met with us, primed for war, but we beat them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Diligently keep the words of this covenant. Do what they say so that you will live well and wisely in every detail. You are standing here today in the presence of God. Your God. The heads of your tribes, your leaders, your officials, all Israel, your babies, your wives, the resident foreigners in your camps who fetch your firewood and water ready to cross over into the solemnly sworn covenant that God, your God, is making with you today. The covenant that this day confirms that you are his people and he is your God, your God, just as he promised you and your ancestors Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I once heard a preacher beautifully describe the Exodus experience as the stories of a God who is actively involved in the lives of his people. A God who is the source of strength for people who often, check out this last line, who often felt helpless against the onslaught of an unfriendly and unpredictable world. Sound familiar? He went on to declare that the Exodus experience is not a journey that the faithful undertake alone. He says, in fact, every step along the way, they have the promise of God's presence and power. 
I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. The clothes on your back have not worn out, and the sandals on your feet have not worn out. It may seem that God's will may be temporarily usurped or thwarted from time to time. But the people of God live in the care of God in the midst of the wilderness. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. The clothes on your back did not wear out and the sandals on your feet have not worn out. In other words, God does not abandon his people. God does not desert humanity in the midst of oppression, tragedy, or trial. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. The clothes on your back have not worn out and the sandals on your feet have not worn out. God hears the cries of his people. God answers his people. God delivers his people. It may not always look like what we think it's going to look like, but God delivers his people. God tears apart the sea and leads his people through. And in the midst of the wilderness, he protects, upholds, and sustains his people with basic needs that they need. As a cloud by day and a fire by night, from manna to quail to fresh water, God promises to be with his people. Like the Israelites before us, we too trust, live in, and find our security in the promises of God. Listen to Psalm 139. I'm going to pick up in verse 7. As the psalmist describes the inescapable God. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make a bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of morning and settle in the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall overcome me and cover me, and the light around me will become night, even The darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is light to you. Perhaps the reality of God's presence during trials is something we all need to be reminded of from time to time. So I simply ask you to pause, look back, And consider the reality that God has been with us every step of the way. And consider this. He will be with us every step of the way moving forward. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, perfect need, a great high priesthood.
Thank you. Beautiful words as we come to a point in our lives that is evident by the fact that many of us are no longer wearing masks. Uh, We're able to gather indoors, outdoors. We're able to be in larger groups. This afternoon there will be a family picnic at Whispering Pines, things that we haven't experienced for a long, long time. But as we come out of this pandemic, there's some realizations that we need to have. Joshua tells the story in the book that bears his name of what happened after they crossed the Jordan. Joshua begins, first of all, in Joshua 1 verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. One of the things we need to realize is is that while we're coming out of the pandemic, there are still a lot of people suffering. We still have a lot of cases every day. Now, they've fallen over 90% since January. I want you to think about that, over 90%. Deaths yesterday fell in the United States to less than 500, lowest number in a long, long time. And so, yes, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. But we'll continue to live with the effects of this pandemic for a long, long time. And we must never, ever forget. As Joshua moves forward, God said something to him that we all need to hear. He says, from this day forward, it's time to be strong and courageous. You know, one of the questions that's being asked is, What about the Lord's church? What has happened to it over the last year and a half? And as we can see, we've been hurt. We've been hurt deeply. But coming out of it is not a time to be afraid. It's not a time to think, wow, is there any hope? But instead we come out saying it's time to be strong. And I love what is said in verse 7 when he says, Be strong and very courageous. It's time for us to say, you know what? We're going to define who this church is, what it is for the next 10 years, over the next few months. So let's get busy doing it. The third point that I want to make is a powerful one. God comes to Joshua and he says it's time to move. The Lord said to Joshua, this is chapter 3, verse 7, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of Israel, so that they know I, will, I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now you have to appreciate, because the inspired writer goes on to say, the river was at flood stage. 
The Jordan River, the best thing I can use to describe it, because I've stood on its banks, is the Harpeth River. It's not a large river at all. But it's one that in the spring, especially when the rains and the snow up on Mount Hermon begins to melt and the rain begins to fall, the springtime can cause the Jordan River to flood, very much like what we experience from time to time on the Harpeth. And it goes outside its banks, and it's a raging river as it heads down to the Dead Sea. And it was springtime. And the snows on Mount Hermon were melting. And the waters were at flood stage. When God said to the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, the mercy seat, the Ten Commandments, the list goes on and on, go and stand in the middle of the river. Now, if I'm carrying a large chest, if I'm going to step out into a river and wade out into its mist, I have got to have some confidence in the one who's telling me that. And in so many ways, that's what God is telling us right now. It's time to have faith in the God that has led us through the wilderness, as John Micah mentioned. It's time now to step out in faith. And these men began to walk out into the Jordan River and the waters all at once began to recede and pile up on the right and to go away on the left. And the ground very quickly began to dry as all of Israel proceeded to march across into the promised land. And then God said this, this is chapter 4. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose twelve men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up twelve stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priest stood, and to carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. It would become a memorial. We don't use stones a lot for memorial. I, I was thinking as I was talking to Brian, I said, you know, the stones that's behind me, every Sunday. You know, for us, they're just decorations. But for ancient Israel, those 12 stones were a tremendous memorial of the incredible miracle of God parting the Jordan, just as he had parted the Red Sea and all of Israel crossing over into the promised land. It's time for us, too, to realize that we we can never forget. We We have to keep remembering where we've been, but in faith, marching forward to where God is calling us to be. I love what happened next. They crossed over the Jordan. They they looked up, and there was the city of Jericho. And of course, if you're Joshua, you're thinking, how in the world do we take down a city that large? And so he goes out in order to survey it. And he meets a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And I love what Joshua did. Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? I mean, you know that he's got to be ready to pull his own sword if he says for our enemies. And I love what the man said. Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. And, of course, Joshua is sitting there going, I thought I was the commander of the Lord's army. Oh, no, you're not. God is the one who's in charge. 
And so as we move forward, let us move forward in faith, realizing that God is the one in charge. And it's time for us to realize that better times are ahead. It's time for us to realize we've got to, first of all, reach out to those who have struggled because of this pandemic. There are many whose faith has become weak. It's time, brothers and sisters, to lift them up, to strengthen them, to bring them back to where they were so that they can move forward. Look around you. If you see people that you haven't seen in a long time, give them a call. Encourage them. Write them a card. And by the way, it's time for us to renew our faith. I don't know about you, but it's easy to get complacent. It's easy to say, you know what? I can watch online now. I mean, I can have a cup of coffee. I can sit in my recliner. I don't have to, quote, unquote, go to church anymore. But we need to realize that church is not about just us. Yes, we're involved in that process. But the Hebrew writer says the reason you don't give up getting together is because we need to encourage and and fire up one another. And I have to tell you that when I see people walking into this building, it fires me up as I realize, you know what? We're going to make a difference in this world. Then we've got to look outside these walls. We've got some exciting things that's fixing to happen. I'm going to mention them here in just a few moments during the collection. But we've got some exciting things coming that I hope you'll get excited about as we seek to make a difference in this community. They did one more thing. After they crossed over in the springtime, they said it's time to remember the Passover. And so they took unleavened bread, They took wine, they took, of course, lambs and bitter herbs and everything that went with that. And then remembered that feast that God had said, this has got to be kind of the cornerstone of who you are as my people. And, of course, Jesus took that same feast, the Passover feast, and he re-envisioned it for us. And he says, my people today also need a, a remembrance of who they are and why they do what they do. And it's found simply in unleavened bread and fruit of the vine. If you haven't picked up a cup, there are some that are outside, uh, both upstairs and downstairs. Otherwise, if you would please take it. And let's remember who we are and what God has called us to be. Jesus, on the night he was to betrayed, took the bread. And when he had broken it, he gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body. That's why we are who we are. is because of a body that was prepared, given to Jesus, that hung on a cross and paid the debt for our sins. And so if you would, let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for the memorial that your son gave us that constantly re-anchors us at the foot of the cross because, Father, it's when he is lifted up that all men are drawn to you. Bless this bread now that we eat. May it remind us of that body given for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
now if you'll take and open up the portion that is the fruit of the vine. A reminder of the shed blood. You know, the blood of the lamb, of the Passover lamb, was put around the doorpost so that the death angel would pass over. The blood of Jesus literally is that which washes us completely so that it's just not physical death, but spiritual death that we are able to avoid. Life in God forever. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this cup, which represents the blood of Jesus. The very blood, Father, that our robes are washed in to make us as white as snow. May we remember that blood that dripped from the cross and saved us from our sins as we drink this cup in Jesus' name.